Is learning how to read an analog clock necessary in today's society? We've got a, a device attached to our hips at all times that has a digital clock that is connected to GPS systems that give us the universal standard time of the world. And yet we're arguing for kids to learn how to read an analog clock that may or may not be set correctly or may or may not always be working. Okay, guys, thanks you for uh, joining me today. I'm trying something a little bit different today. Um, I'm just, this has been bothering me for a while. I've been seeing this on my Facebook newsfeed for a while, and I wanted to chat about this. Um, there was an article that was, um, it's UK schools getting rid of analog clocks because teens can't tell time. Um, so to start off, the first thing I did was actually read the article. I don't think a lot of people actually read the article. Um, I saw a lot of headline readers and some comments on a lot of this stuff, but um, some points that the headline made or that the article made. Um, nearly everything is digital or heading there. Um, yeah, this is just the truth. Of course it's heading there. We all know that we're heading, not even heading there, we're, we're already there. Everything's digital these days. Um, you have a phone. You're probably listening to us on your phone or you're listening to us on a laptop or a desktop. There's a phone on those devices or a, a, a clock on those devices and it's digital. If I, even if I, if I remember correctly, even when I was in high school, which was 10 years ago now, um, all the hall clocks were digital. I remember them being just black boxes hanging out of the wall with these um, red digital clocks. Um that was 10 years ago. Like, what are we talking? Why are we even talking about this anymore? Um, 2007, the, the iPhone came out in 2007. That was 12 years ago. Uh, cell phones are 20 years old. It, like, it depends on how you look at this, but like, it could, you could look at it this being a blink of an eye, and that's why we're having the conversation still. Or you can look at it as like 20 years is a long time. Um, to be fair to the article, it wasn't just mashing on that at well. They also cited um, a person. Her name is Carol Burris. She's the executive director for the Advocacy Network for Public Education. Um, and she said the time frame whenever kids are learning to read analog clocks come hand in hand with concepts like fractions and counting by fives, um, which I get. It makes sense to me. Here's the problem with this, though. If we are honest, you're just... You're literally just justifying learning that skill by propping it up as a learning tool, right? Once something becomes a learning tool, instead of it being a necessary skill, like you can replace it with flashcards, with other tools. Like the, the tool itself doesn't have to, it doesn't, you know what I'm saying? Like, why are we, you can't prop it up that way and expect me to like feel good about that, okay? Of course, analog clocks are dying. In fact, I have a funny feeling that if you look around in the room you're at right now, there's not an analog clock around you. You know what I mean? You might. And if you do, I'd be really interested to see how, like, how often you actually use that clock. Most of the time when we look at our phone, and this is just natural for everybody, you look at you when you want the time, someone asks you for the time, you don't scan the wall for an analog clock to read. You pull your phone out. Right? I mean, you pull your phone out. That's what happens. We don't, I mean, it's such a waste of time to even think about that. Can you imagine what that would look like? You would be look like, a, what time is it? Looking around, looking for a clock. Where's your phone? That's usually, the, that's probably what would happen. Um, I actually challenged someone on Facebook a while back to 
um, and I'm interested to see if anybody's willing to do this and tell me what your experience was like. Like, um, take the day, leave your phone at home, right? Um, and try and figure out if you can tell what the time is at all times of day without looking at a digital clock anywhere and see what happens. Not in your car, right? Not anywhere. You, you're you only allowed to tell time using analog clocks and tell me how difficult you think that'll be. They're just not around like they used to be. Um, we have an analog clock in our, um, our living room. It is, and I'm looking at it right now, it's sitting... Um, we have an analog clock sitting in our living room that's like locked away in a, um, a, um, it's locked away and not locked away. It's the wrong way. It's like in our little entertainment center. Um, a couple things about it. Number one, you can't read it through the glass. Um, there's, you know, there's like structures in the way. Uh, number two, it doesn't even work. It's not on, um, which means it's not correct. Number three, it's decorative. It's literally the only analog clock we have in the house. Um, and everything else, the microwave, the stove, our phones, the, the desktop stuff we have, it's all digital. Um, one of the things that I find really interesting is, um, cursive. Uh, we talk about cursive for a moment. Do we understand? Like it, for most people who are on the an learning analog clock signs, you're probably on the same side for the cursive thing for reasons I'll get into here in a little bit, but like, let's talk about cursive for a moment. Do you understand the history of cursive? If you're listening to this, do you really understand the history of cursive and why it was created the way it was? Um, history lesson here for you. Cursive was a reaction to like the blocky font style of 15th century Gothic font, right? Like the people just, the Gothic font was just too blocky and it seemed crude to some people. And so cursive or italics were created because it was prettier. And it was eventually used as it kind of gained traction a little bit. It was used and taught in the upper class society as a status symbol. If you could write cursive, you were, you know, upper class. So like we literally learned cursive because some upper class humanists in the 15th and 16th century thought it was prettier than the Gothic font. Do you understand? Like really think about that for a moment. We only did that because we thought it was prettier and that it could be used as a status symbol. And I, my argument is it's still used that way by people who think it still matters. If you can't write cursive, you're a piece of crap. I hate, hate cursive. I hate writing cursive. I always have. If anybody's ever seen my signature, it's like a giant P and then scribbles. It just because, I mean, I can tell it's my signature. If I ever have to verify it, I understand it's mine. But no one really reads that. Um, and that's okay. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with not being able to write cursive because I type all day. My job requires typing. <clears throat> and for people who who require not typing necessarily, but like actually writing out, I have an argument for that as well. Um, you know, I actually think that writing in cursive is probably detrimental in a lot of ways for people that are having to write stuff down, um, especially if you're having other people read it, right? Um, for example, doctor's prescriptions. Um, so sidebar, personally, I've not actually been written a prescription in a while. Um, so I'm not even sure if they actually like write them out anymore. For those of you that don't, that know me, I, I hate going to the doctor for some reason. There's no justified, there's no justification for that. I just don't like going. Um, but like, do you understand that when you get those prescriptions back, assuming they still do that, 
like the, you're not the only person that has problems reading that. There was a Time article um, in, from 2007, almost 10 years ago now, um, over 10 years ago now, um, reported that over 7,000 people died annually in 2007 because of, or in 2006, probably in 2005, because of misreading prescriptions. This was the Time article quoted, uh, it was according to a July 2006 report from the National Academies of Sciences Institute of Medicine. Um, and I'll post the, um, uh, what's it called? The I'll post the link to that article um, so you guys can look at it. Um, but yeah, 7,000 people died annually in probably 2005 because of misread prescriptions. We've all seen, like, and that's actually a thing. Like, I've actually heard this before. My mom used to talk about this as, like, doctor's uh, uh, chicken scratch. Like, that's a thing. So, like, that's in, that's an instance where it really matters. Like, you really need to be reading this. Um, the article does go on to talk about that they were implementing digital stuff. So, I'm not sure where we're at with that. Um, like I said, I've actually not written a prescription in a while. But, like, it, it just makes sense for us to go digital. Like, it's cleaner. It's easier to read. Like, there's no questions. You know, there's no questions about whether or not that's an I or an L, right? And so let a less scary example for, you know, cursive being detrimental um, for my band friends that are listening. Like how many of you know the feeling of having to like decipher UIL sheets or a critique sheet from a show? Have you ever gotten a, crit a critique sheet back by someone that writes in cursive? Like it's a lot of times it's almost impossible to read, like having to sit there and like analyze, like, what does this look like? And I have on more than one occasion given up trying to read the comments because they're, they're written badly. Now that doesn't mean that it's the wrong right or wrong way to do it. It's just an argument for it. Right. Um, it's actually why I love like voice recordings of critiques, but some, let's talk about some older, other examples here. Um, of skill sets that are not required anymore. Um, horse riding. You can, we're in Texas, so I maybe get crucified for this, but like, I don't know how to ride a horse and I don't need to know how to ride a horse. It doesn't make sense for me to waste my time on that skill set. People ride horses for a hobby now. You actually don't need to know how to do that, right? And if you have an argument against this, please let me know. Um, but yeah, it's just not necessary anymore. The first commercially available vehicle was in 1908. The, the Model T by uh, Ford. Okay. So that was 111 years ago. I'm terrible at math, by the way. But I think it's 111 years ago. Um, this is, you know, and if we think about this, like New York in 1908, with the, in 1908, when the Model T came out, it was not immediately cars everywhere. People didn't rush to go buy this Model T, and then all of a sudden New York was streamed with vehicles and taxis everywhere. That's not how that happened. It took time. People were not super excited about having machines on the road with wheels, right? Um, a lot of people, I'm sure, opposed it. I can see that. And they rightfully so, right? For for exact for good reasons. Like, were they safe? Were was it okay? Like, I there are news articles, um, and I I believe I'm correct because I'm, I'm not I did not find this. Um, uh, this is just popping into my head as I'm recording this. I I believe there were news articles that were written about um, like people getting hit by these cars, and then like that was the reason why they needed to abolish them. Um, if someone can find an article that like makes that true, like please let me know. I'm actually not 100% sure that that is a real thing. I believe I've heard that somewhere before, but it makes sense to me. That seems like an argument that we've made. Um, 
the problem is like we have more control over that right and it so one of the things i think about henry ford famously once said if i had asked the people what they wanted they would have said faster horses now at the time when that first model t came out and he was getting that backlash that may not have meant so much but if we think about it today my goodness he's absolutely right if he had asked people at the time what they wanted, he would have just made faster horses. And we wouldn't be sitting in the era we are today. Um, with vehicles, at least. Um, the problem is, progress doesn't wait for you. Progress does not give you um, the leeway of being comfortable. It just happens. Another skill set that's completely irrelevant today is learning how to grow crops. Right, the farming farming population decreased during the, the industrial revolution. Everybody started moving into the cities. Like learning how, learning how to cater for the land was is not a necessary skill today, nor was it 50 years ago. Like we've long that's that's a skill set we've thrown out the window a long time ago. If you can, yeah, it, it's not necessary. Do you really need to? If you're listening to this right now on a desktop computer or your cell phone and you've got cell phone service, I have a funny feeling you don't need to know how to grow wheat, right? So, man, it's just, it's so interesting to me. Um, so looking forward, let's, let's, now that we're, we just talked about some older skill sets that aren't necessary anymore, what about newer stuff? What's going on in today's society that like is gonna ha- going to happen, right? Um, the first thing that comes to my mind is, um, so my dad's a truck driver. Um, for those of you that know where I'm heading with this, like you'll understand real quick, like as a truck driver, I'm worried for my dad for what that means in a 10-year window because I don't think he's going to be re- ready to retire when self-driving trucks become more relevant. There's going to be, and I don't know, I could be wrong, right? Like he could retire and never have to deal with his implications because I don't know when that's going to happen. Um, but I'm not big on taking that kind of risk. I'm At some point, like these truck driving companies aren't going to need drivers, Right. And if you're a truck, if you know a truck driver right now, like, and this is super relevant for people in the Permian Basin, if you know truck drivers today, like, send them, send them this, and like, especially if they're younger, send them this so that they understand what's going to happen. Like, do you really think that there are truck driving companies that are not going to save money by buying automated vehicles? Now they're going to invest. It's going to be an investment, but then there's so many things they don't have to worry about. The, the liability of having someone on the road, the liability of someone lying, lying about their, their driving record. For those of you that understand, they have to record their driving. Like the the ability to just have one person manage five to, you know, a fleet of vehicles. It just makes practical sense for businesses to try and get into that. So I'm worried about that for truck drivers and, you know, specifically my dad. Um, it's just, you know, I, I think driving in general may not be a skill that won't be necessary. Again, don't know how far that out is, right? I have no idea how far out that is. Um, but it, I don't think it would be, it's, it's a necessary skill. Um, it will be a necessary skill. Of course it's necessary right now, but I don't think it will be soon. You know, I think it'll make the road safer. We have self-driving cars. It's going to make it way safer. And for those of you that disagree, you're just wrong. The data does not support that it is more dangerous for self-driving cars. Um, we, we're headline readers, guys. Like this is the whole thing, and I'm just kind of wrap the whole thing. Like that's what it is. We're headline readers. You all, we've all read the headlines of self-driving car gets in a wreck. Do you understand how many times they don't get in wrecks? 
Are we aware of that? Do you realize that we report every time a self-driving car gets in a, in, a, in a wreck, it gets reported on? Every single time. However, when a person gets in a car wreck, you don't read about that on the news. You see it. I mean, if you live in Odessa, you understand. Like out on these on the highways, like there's wrecks almost every day. That's what it feels like. Every single day there's one. You don't read about a self-driving car getting a wreck every day. Now, I mean, there's less self-driving vehicles on the road, but the data, just statistically, they're safer. Um, I'm getting on a, on a tangent there, but I mean, just truth. Um, another one that I think is really interesting is um, learning another language. That may be a skill we won't need either. Um, you know, right now, most people, I mean, there's some people, especially here in the area, that know you know English and Spanish, um, but... Let's talk about it like Japanese, Chinese. Like at some point, we won't even need that skill set anymore to like learn other languages when we go somewhere. Um, not even at some point. Like this stuff's already here. There's a Japanese company um, named Logbar um, that created a device called I think it's pronounced Illy or I L I. Um, it translates from English to Spanish, Chinese, or Japanese. Um, it instantly, right? Like it doesn't take time. Like you don't have to type it in. It's not like Google Translate. Like it's automatic. Um, and um, that's just the beginning of this, right? Like this is one little device that we're just now getting into. Like at some point, we're going to have these universal translators like in Star Trek, right? That's what it's crazy that we're talking about this, but it's just the truth, right? Like we're going to have the universal translators. They're going to be able to translate back and forth instantaneously. And we won't be able, we won't skip a beat. It'll be in our earpiece right? It'll be in our ear or, you know, sunglasses or whatever, however that translates and society accepts it. You know, even if it's like on our phone, we have this on our phones. Are you kidding me? It's already there. You can translate that automatically, but the ability to translate seamlessly is going to come very, very soon. Um, and man, it's just going to be so neat. Um, yeah. So let's get back to the clock thing. Cause I really wanted to really like nail down on this. Um, I'm going to just kind of go through some of the comments that were made on the, my original post and kind of just, um, you know, chat about them a little bit. So the first one, um, I, I want to apologize to Courtney first. Uh, Courtney, I don't think you read the sarcasm in my comment correctly. Um, when I said you were going to love this podcast entry, um, you're clearly not on the same side of the argument as I am. But so let's talk about his comment for a moment. Dump the dumbing down of America. Um, and not learning analog clocks and cursive will be detrimental someday. Um, man, I love you, but when? What day will that be detrimental? When will it be detrimental? You say someday, but when is that coming? What do you see happening in the future that's going to be a bad thing for, for people? Like, if your argument is the day the U.S. gets nuked and we're living in a wasteland where GPS don't work and we're all going back to writing letters to each other, I agree with you. However, that's such a that's not that's such a far-fetched circumstance that I don't understand why that like that's the only way I can see that being meaningful. Um, you know, like G, these GP, we've got a a device attached to our hips at all times that has a digital clock that is connected to GPS systems that give us the universal standard time of the world. And yet we're arguing for kids to learn how to read an analog clock that may or may not be set correctly or may or may not always be working. Are you kidding me? How many times I've read an analog clock and we ask, is that right? Is that correct? 
it, you know, like, oh, that clock stopped ticking. We got to take it down and change the, the battery. Like, my God, are you kidding me? This device, this device is, and I'm talking about your cell phone, right? And I say this device as if it's some Star Trek, you know, technology. Your cell phone gives you more accurate time than an analog clock will ever give you. It's easier to read, for me at least, because I'm one of them. I, I have a difficult time reading analog clocks sometimes. I have to, you know, I know how to read it and it takes me, you know, it takes me a minute. I can't just look at it and know right away. And I'm envious of people that are able to do that. But like, I, it's easier for me to read my digital clock. It just is. And so that's what I do. Saves me time. Right? Um, I Next comment is from an old friend of mine from junior high and high school. He made a good point. But I think he was making it for the wrong side of this argument. Um, and I'm going to quote him pretty much word for word. He said, I believe that not only as a society, but also the human race as a whole, cater to the weak and ignorant. The saying has always been, we are as strong as our weakest link. And instead of trying to educate, we put more effort into compromises to try and make everyone feel comfortable. This is um, Mr. John Bright. Um, I agree, John. The problem is I don't think the kids not learning analog clocks are the weak and ignorant ones. I don't think they are the ones that we are compromising for. I think those people who require a dying skill to be learned are the weak ones. I think they are the ones we are compromising for. You want kids to learn to read analog clocks for no other reason than that's what they learned. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, what you learned yesterday doesn't really matter tomorrow. It's just the truth. We do this time and time and time again. It, it, every single aspect of our society, we demonize the future. We demonize the progress and we cling on to the old tropes. We cling on to this. It's why people are afraid, this YouTube scare that happened where everyone was afraid of Momo. I asked my little, my, my little sister, who's super heavy on YouTube, whether or not she's ever seen it. She said, no, now that's a, a progress group of one, but like there are arguments or, or a focus group of one, but there are arguments that that Momo thing did not even hit kids. That it wasn't a thing. It scared, it scared parents naturally as it should, but it did not affect kids as a whole. Again, could be wrong. If you've got argue, you know, if you've got supporting evidence that says I'm wrong on this, please let me know and send it my way. But I don't think it affected kids the way that the parents were afraid of it did. It's a, I mean, it's with, with everything. Like, we're demonizing all this stuff. Are you kidding me? Do you understand how, like, how much stuff is on television that kids are exposed to? And yet we complain because it's on YouTube. Because it's newer, right? Same thing that happened with social media. We're talking about this all the time, too. Like, oh, you know, people are mean on social media. People are not mean on social media. People are mean all the time. The difference is now they have the leeway to actually talk about it without having to face a person head on. This is, it doesn't, this technology stuff does not, what, ex, like, it doesn't change us at all. Technology does not change us. It exposes who we already are as it should. I love the way that this is happening where we're seeing people come out of the woodworks and like all this me too stuff where people are being taken apart because of something they did that was absolutely an evil thing. R. Kelly, the Michael Jackson thing. I don't care what side you're on on this, right? Like 
if they did something wrong, they should absolutely be exposed for it. I don't care when it happened. It's not okay. And so I love that the stuff that it's getting exposed and the, the corners of our society are getting exposed, right? You can't hide in the shadows anymore. It's just not possible. Um, that could totally be a different podcast, so I'll, I'll move on from that. Um, but the last comment that I wanted to talk about uh, or uh, quote a little bit, um, this one is probably my favorite one. Uh, quote is, good education for tradition's sake is stupid. Let's all go learn how to make our own quill and parchment while we're at it. Probably my favorite comment because it wraps everything I set up into a nice little quip. There are plenty of skills. There are plenty of skills that I find valuable today that may be 100% irrelevant in the future. Um, and I have to, we have to be, you know, not just me, we have to be okay with it, right? There, this may be way farther off than most people wanted, wanted to think, and I may lose some of you hearing about this, but let's talk about typing for a moment. I think typing is incredibly important right now. I don't think it always will be. Even now, right now, as I'm recording this podcast, I have a, a word, Microsoft Word, literally recording every single one of my words and typing it into a Word document. I'm gonna have to go back and edit it because the technology is not perfect, um, but I'm gonna use it as a LinkedIn article uh, or in, right on Facebook or wherever I wanna place this stuff because it's able to do that. The technology exists where it can transcribe my words and put it into text. Readable text, by the way, because I didn't have to write it out in cursive because my cursive's atrocious. Um, yeah, it's just typing on a Word document for it. There will come, in, there will come a time um, when all the technology around us will be able to try and transcribe everything. Conversations we have, speeches, lectures, and even college, college English papers. And people are going to freak out about that. We're not going to like that a student can talk into a microphone and type out their English paper if they can speak well. Right? We're not going to like that. Colleges are going to really not going to like that. Um, but guess what? What they like doesn't matter because how can you tell whether or not a Word document was typed or spoken? You're not going to be able to tell the difference. So um, it's going to be super sad. Like when typing skills don't matter anymore, like it's going to suck. It's a skill set that I have I have learned and I wish, you know, I'm going to at the time when it comes, I'm going to wish I didn't waste time on it. Um, maybe, you know, I don't know where my headset's going to be over that, but I do know this, I will never force someone to learn something based off of my antiquated view of the world, and you shouldn't either. Whether you, what you think the world should be doesn't make it that way. Your idea of how the world should be will never, ever, ever dictate the world the way the world actually is. It just doesn't work that way. Because you see, your individual opinion in your own little bubble of your head does not impact. It does not impact the rest of society. The society as a whole chooses that. It's how capitalism works. It's how market the market works. When something works and something is better, it takes over. Sometimes it takes time because people get in the way, right? But it always takes over, over time. Look, Back to the analog clock things. Let's talk about this for a moment. Like, do you understand that teenagers today, teenagers today are going to be teaching in four or five years? They're going to be the teachers deciding what to teach. Do you really think, do you see what I'm saying? Now, 
but let's, again, if we take a step back and think about that even further, like the people in charge are not going to be those teens, right? Like the, the curriculum facilitators or whoever it is that decides what's being taught are still in charge. And the system is still going to force a lot of that. Um, but eventually it's going to go away. Eventually people are going to see that it's not necessary anymore and they're going to start phasing it away. And what are you going to do? Complain about it? Complain that, oh, well, you learned how to do it that way. Well, why don't they? It's ridiculous. A ridiculous argument. Um, what you learned doesn't matter. So in my business, I've learned how to utilize Instagram and Facebook to like drive business results. But if tomorrow Mark Zuckerberg gets locked up for something and Facebook shares drop and everyone leaves the platform and everybody goes back to MySpace, um, well, I have two options. I can sit, complain and wallow about how my business flip turned upside down. The Fresh Prince reference for you guys. Or to move on to the next thing. I can sit and complain and there may still be, you know, like no one's going to just automatically leave Facebook. It's not going to happen overnight. Right. And so there will still be an argument where I can like, you know, squeeze more money out of that industry. Um, but it's not going to last forever. Go talk to, um, go talk to someone who used to work in the newspaper industry. Who's moved on from that and ask them how revenue fell. It's just true. Newspapers have been folding all across the country for years and years and years because some people were not looking at the, the future and what's coming or what was already there. Newspapers, radios, television, it's all technology, guys. It's going to move on. It's going to move forward. It, technology is going to push us forward. It's going to keep progressing, especially as stuff get, getting into the hands of the consumers. It's going to keep moving on. Society, society as a whole will continue to move on. The question becomes, will you? Thanks for listening.